Good afternoon, Husky fans. Thank you for tuning into the 14th episode of Husky Dash with your hosts at Nathan Matheson and myself at nine underscore three quarters. Today, we're going to be diving into Dylan Morris and him being at the quarterback position, an overview of the most impressive and the not so impressive moments from week two. And finally, the key goals that the Huskies need to meet in order to beat the Wildcats. As a reminder, please feel free to drop a comment or even just a hello and we'll make sure we cover all of our segments as well as anything that comes up in chat. Uh, now then for dog snacks. The LSU organization is starting to show some signs of wear and deterioration. Uh, the biggest point of this was that the was the recent USA Today investigation for mishandled sexual co- misconduct complaints. They're two to three start overall, which is also two to three start uh, in conference. Uh, coming out of their 15-0 run last year is really worrying. And a lot of that just stems from them losing way too much talent and a lot of their coaching staff from last year to this year. Uh and in terms of other games, number six ranked Texas A&M versus Mississippi was postponed due to COVID-19. Uh, Jermaine Curse is on his way home after UW Athletics announced that he would be joining the UW football staff as a program assistant. Of course, everyone who's a Husky fan knows of him. He's locally bred, went to Lakes High School near Tacoma, spent four years with the Husky, followed by five seasons with the Seahawks. Um, in non-NFL news, uh, slash college football news, slash this is NBA news, which is weird, Anthony Edwards went to the Minnesota Timberwolves with the first overall pick of this year's NBA draft. I know it's not football. Nathan made me say it. I'm sorry, Sumi. On to our first segment. Thank you very much. Was Dylan Morris the right pick for QB? I believe so. Nathan, what do you think? Um, I'm tended to lean towards agreeing with you. I mean, just taking a quick look at his stat line. I mean, he was 14 for 24, 141 yards, zero touchdowns, but then he also had zero interceptions, zero fumbles. So he was really cautious with the ball. He didn't make any boneheaded mistakes, didn't do anything that could cost them the game. And that's really important in a game like it was against Oregon State, which it was much closer than a lot of people had originally anticipated. So overall, he played a very conservative game, which that probably has in part to do with the game plan that the Huskies had. I mean, they ran the ball close to 50 times. So it was a heavily run game oriented game the entire time. And that in part was just due to the weather. It was cold. It was wet at times during the game. And overall, I look at it like he won the game. He had no big mistakes. He he also had a few drops from his receivers, which would have really helped his stat lines. I mean, just off the memory, the third down drop by, can't remember his name, on the first drive, which then led to the horrible um, punt that happened. And then there was another drop by Rome Odunze in the end zone later on in the game. So a few errors by his receivers kind of hurt his stat line. But overall, I think he played solid football. What's, What's your take on it all? I mean that that's that's really my the the same takeaways for me. I mean I mean his stat list. If you just look at stats alone, like he he didn't he didn't win the game really. I mean you, you could kind of argue he was there for it and whatnot. But I mean he also like I think the bigger point there is is definitely that he didn't lose the game. Like that if if they were to have lost and he still had this stat line, like I wouldn't have been upset with his performance. I mean this was his very first college football game under under lights. Like that's insane. Like this was. It, True freshman, very first game starting, very first He's game red ever. Redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman, sorry. Uh, very first college football game where he's starting like that. And then absolutely insane stat line for that, I think. I mean, like, he didn't blow anybody out of the water. He didn't drop, like, 
28 for 35 attempts for like 100 and I mean, sorry, for like 350 yards. Like he didn't do that. But I mean, with the stat line he has, and I, personally, when I'm looking at it, like the 14 completions for tw- out of 24 attempts for 141 yards, I look at that and say there should be two touchdowns there. Like the the, the kid has three touchdowns on, on the first game already. Uh, it was a draw. I mean, I talk about, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later, but there's two touch, uh, two missed catches or drops, I should say, that absolutely should have been touchdowns. Um, and, and I think in the in a very similar mindset to Jimmy Lake in his press conference and his presser right after that game, he was talking about like his leadership skills that he was showing showcasing like both in game and during the the camp uh, preseason start, the the way and the style in which he operates their offense and kind of tweaks it a little bit to make it his own. Um, and the fa- and I think the biggest point here, the, the key takeaway from all of this is that he makes limited or sorry, I should say he made very, very limited mistakes during fall camp. And that translated to to the game where he made almost none, if not any at all, mistakes during the course of that, those four quarters. Um, and I think another bright spot, actually, I think another bright spot is the fact that the kid has he has legs. He has legs. He can run the ball. Lake said it so himself that depending on the defense they're going up against that week, like he's going to be rushing more. Um, and so I think Dylan Morris is the right pick for QB. I mean, when it comes down to it, Dylan Morris right now, I think is right where he needs to be. He's right where the, the Huskies need him to be because he's going to develop over the next couple of years and this season and become a phenomenal quarterback for the Huskies. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it. I mean, he clearly in practice, he won the job. So he clearly had to have outperformed the other three quarterbacks that were battling for the position. A lot of people talked about towards the end, Kevin Thompson maybe winning the job, but here week one, he wasn't actually suited up. He had a injury, won't get speculating into that. Don't know when it happened. I mean, maybe that helped. I mean, depending on how long he's been injured for. But then getting back to Dylan Morris, yeah, you said he did a great job. I mean, he no turnovers, nothing like that. He didn't hurt them. I mean, he didn't do a lot to help them win, I guess. It was mostly the game plan. He followed the game plan of just running the ball down Oregon State and just dominating the ground game. What more can you ask for than a great run game, really? I mean, a great run game is where the passing game is built, in my opinion. Uh, you, you can't pass well over the course of a game without having a solid run game in, in there. And I think something absolutely crazy about our run game, too, which – absolutely helped Dylan Morris here was that we had I think like 10 or 11 different players with with like recorded rushing stats and recorded rushing attempts which is absolutely insane when you think about it we had so many people touching the rock for the run game that it it let Dylan Morris now albeit he's 14 for 24 so that's not great but when he did throw he was having that time he had that that gap that allowed him to develop grow comfortable grow confidence and I think one thing that every news publication and every sports thing except us is going to miss out on is the fact that building that confidence is probably one of the greatest things that Jimmy Lake and that offense and Dylan Morris can come out of this game with is because the second he gets that confidence, I mean, we know he can complete the ball now. He got 141 yards. He made connections 14 times, should have been at least 16 with two more touchdowns, in my opinion. But I mean, we know he can make those connections and those completions. And now with confidence in that, that I mean you win a football game, you have a rush, you have that emotional, that physical response to want to keep pushing. You have that drive behind you. I'm expecting Morris to outperform his stats from this week and to just continuously get better throughout the season. Yeah. I think with time, more games, more practices, he's just going to get better and better and better. And the overall playbooks just going to be opened up more and they're going to start 
really throwing it downfield and showing his accuracy and his his ability to play college football. So, I mean, look, I look forward to watching him grow and just progress as time goes on. I I always love when a college football team starts a young player because it gives them the best chance to succeed because by his sophomore, junior year, he's going to have so much experience and he's going to be really blossoming into hopefully a superstar. Yeah, and when that happens, he's going to be absolutely impressive. Um, and speaking of impressive acts, which transitions to this very well in the segment two, is I'd love to talk about Trent McDuffie. Not as my um, most impressive pick or like what I think was the most impressive thing, but I just wanted to touch on McDuffie really quick. I mean, he's he's a defensive back. Uh, defensive back. Defensive back. Yes. yes, he's a defensive back. Sorry. Um, and he he was he. He won one of the punt returner jobs. He goes out there. He goes two punt returns for a 56-yard total. One was for 45. The other was 11. I mean, defensive stats weren't amazing, but I mean, four total tackles, three solo. But I, I think that, I mean, if it came down to just that one punt return that went back for 45 yards, I mean, that was an impressive feat in of itself. Uh, he's a sophomore. He's, he's doing great things right now. He's absolutely proving that he deserves a starting spot on that roster, and he's showing it play after play after play. I just wanted to to touch on him really quick i thought the he did an absolutely amazing job yeah moving, um, moving on with touching on him also i think i either texted you or i texted someone during one of the plays oregon state was running a end around to their speedy little guy and he had yeah. wide open clear field and trent mcduffie just chases him perfect angle makes the tackle for like two or three yard gain i mean if trent mcduffie had missed that tackle i think that guy could have easily scored just showing Trent McDuffie's athleticism, his cross-the-field speed, and just tackling ability in open field. So, yeah, he was extremely impressive. Yeah, and then I, I think on, on the other side of the ball, um, something that was also – well, yeah, something that was also impressive on the other side of the ball for me was the def one. Uh, I mean, he did absolutely wonderfully. For another another person coming in there and absolutely showcasing the fact that they deserve a starting spot is, is a def one. I mean – He's solidified himself as a core linebacker. He had nine solo tackles, one assisted. He had a fumble recovery off of that amazing defensive play in the second half. Um, and another surprising stat for a Defuan for something being really impressive coming out of this week was that he had four pass defenses this game coming off of last season where he had zero. So I, I yeah, think. Cut, I, oh, you no, go ahead. Touching on him too, like he was named the defensive player of the game by the UW coaches. And touching on those pass deflections, but I love the last three plays for Oregon State on offense. He was involved in all three of them. He was involved in a pass deflection, and then another pass deflection. And then on the third one, um, Jebbia throws it, and it hits the offensive lineman. But who's the offensive lineman blocking? He's blocking Ulafosio. So he, he was involved extremely at the end of the game and kind of throughout the game really seemed like he was the only guy who was tackling Oregon State's running back Jefferson at times. Speaking of running games, I thought our running game was also super impressive. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Sean McGrew came out of nowhere, blew me out of the water when he started running the ball. Nine attempts, 91 yards, one touchdown. Kamari Pleasant, I feel like, also did super well. 12 attempts, 61 yards, another touchdown on top of that. Um, we we did have nine more runners who who touched the balls, uh, touched the, the ball. For a total of 11 rushers uh, coming up for 49 attempts. So almost 50, like you said earlier, yeah. 49 attempts for 267 total yards of rushing. 
Um, I think having that many, I mean, just like receivers, when you can target five, six different receivers, two, three plus times and get yards out of every single one of those plays, it, it worries a defense because now when you see another guy come up behind the ball, another pair of fresh legs, another set of fresh legs, and you keep rotating that by the fourth quarter, you have a core defense who is playing first quarter running backs who are fresh off the bench, have those fresh legs and have been growing and growing and growing in their confidence and ability to push the ball downfield. Um, I thought that was one of the most impressive things. And I think that's the most impressive thing for me coming out of this week. Yeah. And coach Lake touched on it kind of with McGrew. I mean, he had nine carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. I mean, coach Lake said that they should have gotten him the ball more in the second half and especially the fourth quarter where I'm not sure if he had any touches really a lot of his work was done in kind of the end of first quarter second quarter and I looked at McGrew like kind of a catalyst for this offense I mean the first drive it was all Kamari Pleasant and he was getting you know kind of two yards a carry three yards a carry and then second drive McGrew comes in his first run is for 14 yards his second run is then for 25 yards and a touchdown I mean, he was just making big play after big play on the ground and really broke their offense wide open, I guess, in the run game. And the other running backs kind of followed suit because after that, Pleasant started doing good. Richard Newton got in for a couple plays, had a few nice runs. And it was just a whole committee of running backs just making five yards a carry, basically. So, yeah, the running backs definitely were one of the most impressive parts. And I think without that running game, it would have been a struggle maybe for the Huskies. I mean, they would have had to put a lot more on Dylan Morris. It was clear the running game was pounded into their minds as this is what we're going to do and go out there and do it. Something else kind of, you touched on Trent McDuffie. I was kind of really impressed just with the whole UW secondary. Going into the game, it was kind of the UW secondary was thought of as the clear best spot on the Huskies, on the defense, on the offense, just the best position group. And they showed that in the game. There was no disappointment early, no big plays by OSU. I'm not sure they had anything longer than 20 yards given up. And, I mean, you look at Jebbia's stats against Wazoo. He was 34 for 48, 330 yards and a touchdown. And then here he is against the Huskies, 11 for 24, 85 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. So UW secondary really just clamped down on the receivers. There was never any missed assignments, never any wide open receivers. And that was what really impressed me a lot, just living up to the hype. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, that run game really stepping up for them. I mean, you need that to be able to have your receivers work. I mean, as we both know, and I think that was one of the more disappointing things for me, Ty Jones and Roma Dunze, both missing TD catches. In the well, end zone. before you get too far, I have one more thing that I was impressed with. Before we get Go into the, before we get into the disappointment, it's I gotta give a shout out to Zion Tupulo Vitu ZTF. He outside linebacker. He wasn't supposed to be a starter, but Latu Latu was injured, so ZTF got the start. And all he did was go in there, have two sacks, two forced fumbles, and just made an impact. So you gotta give him some love. Just. He played great, played with a high motor, and I hope to see him keep getting those snaps and keep earning reps even when Latu Latu is back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he showed out. He showed he deserved a spot, and I, I think he's earned it. Mm-hmm. Back to the disappointing parts, though. <laughs> Ty and Rome, both of them should have another touchdown on their stat sheet. Dylan Morris should have two, one from each of them. 
And I, that was the most disappointing thing for me, seeing seeing receivers that that not only you and I have touted so much in the in the coming in the past few weeks, but that other people like pollers and other websites and groups and publications have been just touting our receiver core and saying them the secondary a few other key positions and players like those are the things we have to look forward to is that talent and that depth and then just seeing like almost careless like aloof or just unnecessary mistakes happen i mean across the entire team was super disappointing i mean you never want to use it as an excuse so like yeah it was rainy it was cold it's hard to catch in those conditions but i mean you're you're playing college football like you're expected to make that that catch i mean Back in high school, you always heard the saying, like, if you can touch the ball, you should be able to catch it. They touched the ball in the end zone twice and both of them dropped it. Like, that's just not supposed to happen. That's six points. Easy money when it touches both of your hands. So that was really disappointing. But I'm not worried about and that's one thing I uh, worried about it. And that's one thing I wanted to touch before I ended it back for what you found disappointing from the week is because these guys are just too smart. They're too talented to let one semi-bad game and one TD drop, like ruin their their confidence and their mental. I mean, we also have a crazy good depth at that position as well, which allows players like this, I think, to occasionally have that bad snap or bad game. And you can just keep rotating them out. So I'm not worried about a receiver position. It was disappointing to see that be their turnout for the first game, but I'm not worried about it. What do you think? Well, first, before I get into anything, I just, I hate that statement if it i've always hated if it touches your hands you're supposed to catch the ball that it it just doesn't work you like that yeah i agree with you i was disappointed in the drops but i mean there's a lot of factors that go into it but moving on oh, just just looking at something i was really disappointed in was on the defense and it was the run defense you look at it kind of like so they were missing two key guys on the front four with Latu Latu. And then Tuli Latuli Gasanoa also missed this game, unsure of what these injuries are, as Jimmy Lake doesn't really talk about them. Hopefully they're back by next week. Because Tuli Latuli Gasanoa is a key key guy up front, big guy, 305 pounds. He was really looking to replace Onzerike and take that role over. But you look at it like so going into the game. Oregon State was thought of as their running team. Um, Jebbia can't really throw very accurately. He's not the best passer, and Jefferson's going to carry him. And so you're like, okay, just load the box. Just force Jebbia to throw the ball. That didn't happen. I mean, Jefferson ran 23 times for 133 yards. At times, it seemed like there were just massive gaps that the Oregon State O-line was given the running back, and he just could run all over him. I will, though, give the UW defense props. I mean, late in the game, key time, third and one on, like, the five-yard line, they stuffed them. Fourth and one on the five-yard line, they stuffed them. So I'll give, I'll give them a bit of props for that. But overall, I expected more from the Husky defensive line. I, I, I don't know. It wasn't disappointing. It was almost, like, expected. Like, we knew the inside linebacker group was going to be weak. We knew our defensive line wasn't as strong as we'd have wanted. We knew our secondary was great, so we weren't worried about that. So I, I, I agree it was a disappointing thing to witness, but I don't think it was that disappointing. I mean, I don't know, almost like acceptance is, is more of how I feel like, yeah, that was, that was going to happen. Like, I saw that one coming. Um, heading into segment three, well, though. I, I got, I got, a, oh, I got I another am. disappointment. That See, I've got a few things written down. These aren't as major disappointments, just – 
things to keep an eye on, like the special teams, like the long snapper. We had the first one way over the punter's head. The second punt, the punter had to jump for it again. And then there was also an extra point that he snapped, and it was a little high. But, I mean, he's a true freshman, so give him time. I'm sure he was super nervous. That's just something to keep an eye on for the next few weeks. And then also just looking at um, Coach Lake, I believe, mentioned it in a press conference talking about Cade Auten and how they need to get him the ball more. And I can't I, – of course I agree with that. I mean, he had one target, one catch that entire game. He should be a focal point of the offense as kind of a safety blanket for Dylan Moore. So they've got to get him the ball more. That, that's all. So heading on to the next topic, we can go. Well, I mean, for your two points, I think the first one – oh, I don't even remember what your first point – oh, it was about – Correct me if I'm wrong. Our our punter is is doing all all. I mean, our snapper is doing all the snaps, right? He's doing long snaps, special yeah. teams, regular drives. Oh well, no, yeah. no, no! It's just the long snapper for punts. Oh, he's and just long PATs. Okay, okay. I that must have been a different team or something. I don't know where I got that from. But yeah, heading into some key goals to go against the Wildcats. What does UW need to accomplish in order for this game to go well and have a W go up on that scoreboard? Um, well, getting into it, it was one of my disappointments. I think they need to tighten down on the run D for Arizona. Um, and it's not just Arizona's running back. Gary Brightwall, who against USC, he ran 21 times for 112 yards. But they also have to find a way to contain Arizona's quarterback, Grant Gannell, as he had a number of times, especially in the first half, where he managed to scramble out on like a key third down and just get the first down. I think he had like 13 carries for 40 yards. So that's something that the Huskies have to focus on. I'm sure they're going to nail it down in practice. I mean, they gave up a lot of yards to the Oregon State running back. The or the defense here at UW is going to want to take some pride in it and step up and really shut down the Arizona run game. And I think if they can shut down the run game, then that's just going to help them get a better chance at pulling this game off. Yeah, I, I, that's that's my biggest takeaway too. Like that's the biggest. That's that is the key goal for the Huskies heading into this Arizona game is that they have to step up on run defense. I mean, you touched on it. We touched on it. It seems like every single segment we've talked about today is about the run game in one way or another. That run defense has to step up, or we're going to get destroyed next Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday. Another thing, though, that I think is, is going to be a key goal is that our secondary cannot slack. I mean, you said it. Uh, th this guy can run. He's going to be scrambling. So those those corners, those DBs, the safeties, they're going to be working for a little bit longer each play than they might be used to. Um, but, I mean, I have faith in their talent. I have faith in their skill. I have faith in our secondaries coaching to get them to that. I mean, they're at that point, I feel like. They just need to not slack and keep that tempo in that level. I mean, because Grant, he threw uh, what was 24 for 36, 286 yard, threw one interception, but had three touchdowns come out of it. That that's a passing offense. That's a they have that spread attack as well. Where our secondary, like yes, our run defense is a setup, step up. We've both said it, but that secondary, our secondary, cannot drop the. If they catch the ball, they can't drop it either. I mean, if they touch it, they should catch it. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's one of the other key goals for me is that our secondary has to be on their game. They cannot. They can't be the cause for any of those bad moments where you feel tempo in the in the game switch. If if our secondary is the cause for any of that in a negative light, like if they catch it, if they make an interception, like that's a great tempo switch in our favor. We mm -hmm. cannot have any negative tempo switches come out of our secondary because they have to be our rock. 
heading into this game against Arizona. Yeah, just moving on with that kind of turnovers, I think those are key, especially in the game where it might be close. I mean, Arizona looked really good against USC. The spread is like 11-point favorites you dub, but it could easily be a close game. And any turnover can change the entire outlook of a game. Against USC, Arizona just had one turnover, and it was at the start, and USC immediately scored off of it. I mean, overall in the first half, Arizona kind of looked better. I mean, they had a whole lot more yards, but that turnover killed them. So turnovers are killers. And then getting to looking at the UW offense, I think they need to finish drives, which is something USC struggled with at one point in the third quarter. I mean, it was tied 20-20, to 20, and USC on back-to-back drives couldn't finish. One was a missed 28-yard field goal. Another one, they went for it on fourth and one in the goal line and couldn't get it. So that's 10 points out the drain. They could, they could have been up 30-20 to 20 and kind of won it easily, but they couldn't finish drives, and that really hurt them. And I hope that UW's finishes drives. They finished drives against Oregon State. So just keep doing that and keep finishing these drives. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, part of that finishing thing too, I mean, we're going to have to, if we can have a similar, not exactly the same, but a similar opening to what we did against OSU heading into this Arizona game, punt messed up, like out of the question. Like that's not part of the similar talk. We have that similar opening where we have that running back. If it's McGrew, if it's, one of the others, if it's if it's uh, I have the names in Pleasant. my notes, but I can't remember them for some reason. Pleasant, Pleasant or Newton. Uh, or Richard Newton. There it is. That was the name that was stuck on the tip of my tongue. If those guys can have those punchy runs, those 10, 15, maybe stretching it to 20, like we don't need long runs. We just want ones where we're pushing the defense back actively. Having that big punch in that first quarter is going to. I mean, you see it with Arizona. It, it's, a, it's a pattern with them. When they get punched in the mouth really early in a game, they have that, that struggle to rebuild momentum for their team. And so that's a smaller key, kind of like a side quest, you know, like a mini objective if you're playing video games. Get a, big, get a big punch in in that first quarter, early second quarter to set the tempo for the rest of that game and make sure they don't have time to build momentum. That's like a smaller key point for me. That's the last of my key takeaways. Yeah, I think uh, just going off of that, like the run game, yeah, run game's going to be key. I mean, just especially with Dylan Morris, that quarterback, an inexperienced guy, if he has a run game that he can rely on, then it just helps him immensely. It takes, it takes the entire weight off of his shoulders if he can just hand the ball off to McGrew, hand it off to Blessett, hand it off to Newton, and you can expect them to get five yards a punch. I mean, then you bring – if you hand it off on first down and you get five yards, it's second and five. The entire playbook is open. You can pass the ball. You can run it again. So having a run game that's sustainable for the entire game and especially just at the start, like you said, just to punch Arizona in the mouth. I want like a first drive where they just pull on hand it off and just each time they're getting five yards, eight yards, six yards, four yards, just – easily drive down the field, just kind of assert your dominance, I guess, against Arizona's defense. And then that starts with the offensive line, who played pretty good against Oregon State. If the offensive line can win the battle in the trenches, then I think UW's got a very good shot at winning. You want to do score predictions? I know it's, it wasn't planned, but just off the top of your head. Ooh, giving me some, some shivers. <laughs> okay, let, let, let's break it down really quick. I think that our inside linebacker group steps up, can't hold – still isn't holding strong. Like they don't have it settled in yet. I think they give up a touchdown. 
I think our secondary doesn't give up anything. Maybe force an interception. Maybe two interceptions. Definitely some blocked passes. So we're evening it out. Fresh quarterback. Does he play again? And we have a new quarterback. Receivers, I don't think we got a new quarterback. I'm saying 24-10 is going to be final score. UW wins. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be a little closer than that. I'm thinking 30 to 21, maybe. 30 21, I think. I think the offense kind of gets a little something going. And I mean, maybe there's a mistake by Dylan Morris on a pass that gives Arizona a short field, it allows them to score. But Arizona looked really good against USC. So. I would not be taking them lightly at all, even though they lost to USC. So I think it'll be closer than the spread predicts. And But UW in the end, I think their defense steps up and makes some key stops to prevent Arizona from scoring in the end. And UW pulls it off. Yeah, I mean, pulling those points in, I mean, the points you've made, not the points we're discussing. Pulling those points in that you just made, uh, I I could absolutely see uh, like a twenty one a twenty one twenty game coming yeah. up, like a missed field goal. I mean, a missed PAT or two field goals that instead of a snap. touchdown, settling the game like that happening. Like I absolutely see that happening. I mean, there's 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 I mean, heck, side bet dark horse here. Like game gets canceled last minute again. Like who? Know, I mean, I don't want to say it. Like knock on wood right now. Like we don't want that happening, but it's it's there. The the chance is there. It's twenty twenty. Who knows what happens. I mean, like you don't want. I, I'm not actually not going to talk about that. We don't. I'm not even going to mention it because I don't want it to happen. That this last one, I haven't said it. You probably have a small clue what it is. I'm just not going to touch it. It's going to stay over here on the desk. Um, but yeah, I absolutely think it's going to be a defensive game, um, and not in terms of defenses making the plays. It's which defense can make the least amount of mistakes. Who can bottle up those inside runs and prevent pass games from forming? That's really. I mean, that's how most games turn out. This one's going to be really competitive, as we saw against them in the USC. And that just about ends the amount of time that I have to run off the last seconds of our show. And that finishes up all the time that we have for today. Once again, I'm Joseph Claypool, and this is Nathan Matheson. You can follow us on our different social medias with the apps that you see on screen right now. Now we're just a small part of the Dashboards family. So if you'd like to meet the rest of our crew, check out our website, dashboards.tv, as well as our partner's website, sportspack12.com, where some of our hosts write articles. Nathan writes all of the articles for Husky Dash. Thank you, Nathan. Saves me a lot of work. I appreciate it. So please go to that website, check out its articles. They're really good. I read up on them every week. Now, if you'd like to revisit the best moments of today's episode or others, head over to our website where you can find clips, quips, tips, rips, terrible jokes, and as many of full episodes as you can stand all in one place, all for free, Dashboards TV. We'll see you next week, but for now, this is Husky Dash signing off.